This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone to the Red Sox Rays ALDS postgame. Game 2, Red Sox in the win column, tie the series 1-1. to It was a home run parade. Xander Bogarts goes deep. Verdugo goes deep. So does Kike Hernandez. J.D. Martinez breaks the game wide open in the middle innings with a three-run bomb. Sox went up 8-5 to five at that point. And just for good measure, Rafael Devers with only one good arm hit a two-run shot in the eighth inning off of Michael Waka. So the bats are more awake now than they've been in probably a month. I don't remember the last double-digit box score we've had. I'm sure we must have had one or two in September. But anxiety a little bit lower, guys. Job Goddard, Andrew Dwan back with me tonight. Oh, yeah. We're back in it. <laughs> that was huge. You had to steal one at the Trop, the dumpster that is Tropicana Field, and they did it. And now we got Nate the Great going on Sunday. I mean, this, this is what we needed. This was the recipe. Yeah, I think the way that we had to get it done is a little bit frustrating. I'm sure Terry will we'll talk about that. But you needed to get one on the road to win this series. It needed to be tonight's game because if you lose two in a row, you're not sweeping the Rays in a three-game set in a row. They're, they're too good a ball club. So you have to be optimistic. We now have home field advantage at Fenway. Our, our ace is going on Monday, or rather on Sunday. And on Monday we have the marathon going for us. So I assume the Sox will be in your favorite yellow jerseys. And uh, we'll get some good speeches and some good pregame ceremonies. And Boston will be rocking. So home field advantage should matter a lot in this series, uh, especially these next two. Oh, man. I wasn't even thinking about the yellow uniforms, but... You can't run from them, Terry. They're inevitable. <laughs> you got to embrace it now. Uh, I hate them. But uh, what what time is the Monday game before I forget? Is that a like an afternoon or primetime start? I think it's four. Okay. Because right? I, so I know... It's, four, yeah. Yeah. it's not a weird time then, like 11 a.m. or anything, so... All right. Well, that's good. I'm off Monday, so I I don't uh, I don't have to miss it. But oh, Monday is at seven p.m. Oh, it's at seven. All right. There are three games on uh, there are four games on Monday. There's a one o'clock start, a three o'clock start, a seven o'clock start, and a nine thirty start. Wow. I'm sure. They're really, they're seven. really stacking Monday. They only have two games on Sunday. Red Sox at four, and Houston at eight. Very good. So, getting into tonight's game real quick, I mean, we we got embarrassed last night, especially with the Rosarena steal of home in the late innings, and then we come in, we do get a quick temporary 2-0 lead 
with a Xander Bogart shot, and then Chris Sale just gets absolutely buried. And I'm like, we're we're done. I literally, I was in full surrender. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm like, there's no hope. There is no hope. Did you guys think we were basically done at that point? If they didn't push the couple runs across in the first, if that was 5 nothing, yeah. But I was like, all right, just get through the second, maybe get one. They didn't get one. I was like, all right, this is getting a little tough. But I wasn't give, I wasn't surrendering on that one because they've been hitting the ball. If they just weren't getting results, you know, like Renfro hasn't really helped his cause uh, this postseason. Um with the you know with guys the bases chucked but they they've been making contact if they were striking out left and right I would have thought it was done but I don't know I just I've had a decent feeling about the this series so far I thought they were done uh, <laughs> I was raising the white flag and I was actually I was watching the game with my family last night I watched the game I didn't have the volume on I'd given up on the volume but tonight I figured I had to be dialed in. I'm watching the game with my family, and my uncle goes, ah, it reminded me of something Johnny Gomes used to say on the broadcast, which was 2015, I guess, where Johnny Gomes talked about how you got to be the next guy to push runners across. If you give up a big inning, you need to score before they score again. And so I was holding my breath a little bit until they pushed across uh, that next run, and then it was 5-3, and then all of a sudden, you know, Verdugo comes up, and I'm like, he's going to hit one out right here. My, my confidence was restored by Xander because I, I feel like this offense goes as Xander goes. It just it happens time in and time out throughout the season. So when Xander hit one out and then Verdugo came up and we were up we were down five to four, that was it. I was like, we're gonna win this game. But for, there was a brief moment there where I was like, we're not gonna have meaningful baseball for six months. What am I gonna do? And uh, there was some serious dread there. So I understand exactly where you're coming from, Terry. Yeah, I mean, once the the two solo shots got hit by Kike and Verdugo, like you were mentioning, and that got us within one run, I did kind of start to lock back in, but I was still a little pessimistic. I'm like, there's a lot of innings to go with a lot of bullpen that's going to have to piece this together. And then when JD, well, interestingly enough, Terry, when, when JD enough. hit the shot, though, I okay, then then I'm like, all right, we can do this. I'm curious what the two of you thought about Tanner Houck coming in in that spot. Barnes is warming. Sale is absolutely imploded. Uh, I'm curious what the two of you were thinking there. Well, you know, I, I said last night I want to go from Sale to Houck. That, that's not exactly how I wanted to do it, but the recipe worked. <laughs> yeah, and on one hand you're like man why are we burning Hulk right now you know we're down by three runs but it's a it's almost a do or die game you have to you have to still try oh, your... it's not almost it is yeah it is a do or die your game. best and guys have to go out that's kind of like what they did with Pavetta too the other night like to keep it close instead of throwing out Perez and being like whatever like you know it's like let's just give these boys a chance and tonight that gamble paid off it did it did, and I, I like the way they responded because they don't typically, they don't typically come back late in the, in the second half of the season. They had all the comebacks in the world in the first half, but they were not a comeback team. So it was nice to see with their backs against the wall. And I still thought Tampa was going to string together some hits, but Job, you bring up Tanner Houck, and he was the stabilizer. He was the guy who just completely shut them down. 
to let our offense kind of gather themselves up and go on that run. And that was really impressive because I wasn't super optimistic he was he was going to pitch well uh, against the Rays. I figured that's the perfect team to give him some fits. And he he strung together several good innings. And that, that built off of his previous outing where he had five perfect innings. No one reached base. I was waiting for them to or I was waiting for Kevin Cash to bring the lefties off the bench to face him. And it wasn't coming. It was like, oh my God, are we gonna get one more inning? And because you know, they they could set this up or they can give you two or three lefties three in a row. And not like crap lefties off the bench, like first the division Meadows, regular. Low, reg- like- yeah, and yeah, the, the, exactly. And they weren't doing it. I was like, oh my god, this is extending our stretch that we can have arguably our best uh, pitcher. I don't know. I don't want to come a starter hi- hybrid pitcher right now uh, to go. And thanks Kevin. <laughs> yeah. I, I was also waiting for that. And Josh Taylor was up there in the sixth inning, right? He was getting warmed up. Solo shot comes from G man Choi, which was not a home run. I stand by that. That's a double. Oh, I thought it was. See, I think Joe West would have called it a double. <laughs> like, that's fan interference. That was that was more fan interference than the one in Houston. He reached over the ball. Yeah, but that's that's fan interference. It could have dropped another two feet by the time it got, it got to the wall. He might. He probably did come over, so maybe that technically does make it interference. But it, the trajectory it, looked it was like a it, home run if he didn't touch it. The trajectory was going in. Yeah. So all right. Uh, let's just get it out of the way right now. Autumn is in the air. The pumpkins are in the patch. And our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't carve out, carve your pants pumpkins when you're grooming, if you know what I'm saying. Make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the Leaders in Male Grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. Boys, get ready for cuffing season like no other. Ready to take the leap into fall with Manscaped? Join 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. It's time to bundle up with a Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear, nose, hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Make your balls a priority this fall. Choose Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. I'm so used to saying space balls, Terry. You know, I'm, I'm getting used to the, yeah. the new script nowadays. Absolutely. And that's uh, that could be getting done with on the on the 13th. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen at that point. New sponsor, new script, something. But I want to get into two other things real quick here. Oh, I wanted to say about how Job and I think he's still a starter. <laughs> Tonight, the third pitch was working. That yeah. It's all about the third pitch for me. I mean, that's what has limited Chris Sale right now. He doesn't have that changeup. So there's no change in velocity, and it's not working. And if Houck has that third pitch, if he comes out after this winter – that would be amazing. And I don't think we can discount the time he missed at the beginning of this year. It looked, you know, he had the forearm tightness. You could have had TJ earlier. It was, there was a little bit of uncertainty 
So that's lost developmental time. And now he's showing this. He's a stud. I, I, I was not a believer that he would have that third offering. But if he does, I take everything back that I said, and I will fully admit I'm wrong. Um, he, he'd, be a, he'd be a great addition to this team in the rotation. Well, his third pitch was working tonight. Andrew, you mentioned it. He used it against Randy or Rosarina, the down-and-in splitter. Um, to strike him out there in the sixth inning with two down when it felt like that was his last hitter either way. Like, if Verona Reno reaches base after the G-Man Choi home run, he's done. You bring in Taylor to face the lefty. And if he gets him, he's done because he's not coming back out for that next inning. And he threw three of his best pitches all game in that spot. And he came up huge. He came up big in Washington. People forget, Washington was basically a playoff game, right? I'm at that game. If you lose that game, you're not going to be in the play in the playoffs. And sure. he threw six yeah. perfect innings. Cora pulled him with a perfect game going. And then tonight he came out and gave you four perfect innings before giving up his first base hit. He was on an absolute tear. He locked in when it matters most, and that's a gene the Red Sox desperately need. I mean, that's a little bit of uh, a Keith Falk, Jonathan Papelbon edge. I love it. I I wanted to see him get through a whole winter, and that kind of speaks to the developmental aspect. Have a normal winter with a normal spring training, and and then see. And if he's struggling next August, then okay, tinker tinker with the long relief for the closer aspect, and and that's fine. I, I do want to get into some pitching because the last two. Or go Can ahead. I just ask you really quick though? Do you still keep him in the role he's currently in of the bail us out and keep us in? Or do you move him to a starter at this point if we get to a game five or something like that? For the rest of the series, I think he has to stay in this role. Oh, this is his role. Completely theoretical. But if they advance to, what do you do? Then it's tough. I'd say keep him. I I think it depends on two things. One, who you face. I'm going to assume it's the Astros at this point based on the fact they're up 2-0. Um, that's a righty-heavy lineup. So you could probably get away with it. But also, the other thing it depends on is, do we need Nick Pavetta to start one of these games in the ALDS, and how does he do? Because he looked pretty good in relief as well. Um, so, you know, how does that work out? What we do know, Terry wants to talk about the pitching a little bit, so I don't want to steal his thunder here. Terry, what exactly do you want to address? Yeah, well, I had a couple of tidbits. I'll just shift those to the end. But, so... Chris Sale is concerning. That's a major concern at this point. And not only for the playoffs, but for next season as well. And the uncertainty with him is is a big reason why you need Tanner Houck to hopefully pan out as a semi-effective starter, a number three or a number four guy at least. And I think we'd be taking... The 32 starts Nathan Avaldi had this season for granted if if we think he's going to do it again next year. So if he is less effective or goes on the injured list and then sales scuffling, what's our rotation at that point? I'm confident we're going to make at least one signing, but my long term, based on the fact Chris Sale has just been struggling, is is pretty pretty shaky right now. I understand, and I, I'm i still not totally out on him. I think Smoltz hit on 
Was it? It was Smoltz tonight. Yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, I'm still so scarred from that ESPN uh, broadcast. Um, it, he was talking about how he still has no feel for his changeup, and his changeup was an absolute weapon. He still has two plus plus pitches in the fastball and slider, but nowadays in his career, the you know the velo isn't too different. Without that changeup, uh, Smoltz's exact quote was: "Sometimes it feels like you're holding a grapefruit instead of a baseball." And he doesn't have that feel back yet. So I do think he'll be good after a full season or off season of rehab, strength training, um, his stamina. I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, throwing up any red flags, but maybe he's a number two. I don't think his value drops below that though. He's not. I, I, here's my thing. Oh, go ahead. Uh, and, and Terry, real quick, is I think the Red Sox would prefer him not pitch right now. Like if, if the Red Sox were firmly out of the playoffs by the time Chris Sale is, is meant to come back and be ready there in, in August, he doesn't come back and play. Like He probably makes one rehab performance and then does a little bit of strength training and just gets ready for next season straight away. They rushed him back, and he rushed himself back because he's a competitor. He doesn't have it. Like he's he's just not a hundred percent yet, and he you. He made I agree with you there. Game, right, like and, game was very clear in the first inning, and I want to one pitch that was very clear to me. And Andrew, I'm I'm curious what you think about this. I thought the grand slam pitch, pitch. You know, it's eye side. It's a little high. It's a good competitive pitch, but Chris Sale of old, that's ninety six, ninety seven, and he's blowing him away. At 94, when you're sitting fastball, he knocks that out of the park. He's just not all the way back yet. And I, there's some transformation that needs to happen between now and next season for him to grow into a pitcher rather than a thrower in that situation. It'll happen. I'm still a skeptic. Not only is he not physically right, he's not emotionally the same guy and he doesn't have that killer instinct, that that possessed approach he used to have. Even tonight, when I was watching him walk back from the dugout to get into the, uh, excuse me, when he was walking back from the bullpen to get into the dugout and everything, and he was laughing and joking around and giving high fives. That wasn't what he was doing a few years ago. He was completely stone faced. Everybody stayed out of his way because he was he was intensely focused on the start he was about to have. And he's been on I think record. he's just happy to be back. He's just happy to be playing baseball again. It's, That's... it's still different, though, and it's the performance I, isn't going hand-in-hand hand with, with it. I think that comes with confidence, too. That swagger comes with confidence, and I don't think he has it. And Joe made a good point. We all thought they were kind of a baby. Well, a lot of people thought they were – babying him with like why isn't he back yet like they could use him now and i think all three of us are like why like let's just have him for the playoffs and you look at the three guys that had tommy john very similar times it was uh noah syndergaard uh severino and him and severino was a barely a bullpen piece Syndergaard was a memory. 
<laughs> I think he got in on the last day on a, the back end of a doubleheader. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think we all just kind of saw him as a superhuman, like untouchable Pedro 99 kind of guy. And perhaps it's not fair, but I think we need to give temper our expectations with him and give him some time. And it sucks because honestly, maybe he'd be better fit for a role that Tanner Houck and Nick Pavetta are in right now. But I don't think with his stature, you can flip flop those guys. I don't, I think if you start him again, it's an automatic loss. That's really how I feel. And he had nine starts. I mean, that's not a small sample size. He, he pitched a third of a season basically. And He's not getting better. He's getting worse. So I would rather just see him out of the pen, even if it's just for one inning at a time against lefties. I very facetiously said, looks like he's just a lefty specialist now because the one strikeout he got was against uh, Brandon Lau, who's a lefty. So I just, I, I guess we're a little bit far apart in, uh, on that, and that's fine. We'll see what Alex Cora has uh, in store for him. I don't see any quotes. I'm going through my media feed right now, but Cora hasn't uh, addressed anything Chris Sale related, and he hasn't spoken with the media yet either. So, um, but let me let's get into this. We we know what's going to happen. Game three. We know Avoldi's going to be in there. If there's a lead late in the game, we or not maybe not even a lead. Maybe if it's just a close game late, Whitlock's getting in there. So those are two guys that are going to be pitching in, in game three. So let's just skip ahead for a second to game four. Who starts? Because I'm almost thinking you might have to try Erod again if you want to go on the most rest. I th- yeah, no, I, th- I think it's Erod. I don't think Cora switches this up. I, th- I think based off like 30 seconds ago where you're like, I haven't seen his comments on sale. And I was just thinking in my head, like, Cora's a vets like boy, you know what I mean? Like he's going to have his guys back. He's never going to say anything bad and he's going to, you know, he's going to have them in, in any fight. And, you know, you can always count on for that to, just to take that corner. So I think it's going to be Erod. I don't, and I don't know if they have a choice. Well, that's outside of it. What I was, thinking. I think he goes up to vet. I think he goes to Pavetta be like, dude, you might throw five tonight. Just be ready. It's- yeah, I, I think the similar similarly, you have to go with Erod there. But I mean, Terry, I did mention it to you before we got on the air here. I think Chris Sale might be done as a starting pitcher in twenty twenty one, whether we advance or not. Um, I don't I don't know that they use him again as a starter. And frankly, I don't know what the situation is with Garrett Richards and, and his injury. But yeah. if he's ready to go, I don't know that you even put him on the roster for an ALCS. Like, Chris Sale might be done done um, just for his health and for moving forward with that contract. He, he clearly doesn't have it, and they, they need to protect him. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. And Cora said yesterday in his pregame presser before the se- series even started that they had worked on some stuff with Sale uh, earlier in the week and that he was hoping that would translate, and of course it, it didn't. So it's going to be interesting, but I, the the one thing about Erod, the only shred of optimism 
that I'm kind of hanging on to is maybe he's going to pitch better in the open air of Fenway than in the trop. I don't, I don't know, <laughs> but we're I, I any... hanging on to two things. Andrew, Andrew, what do you, what do you, no, think? no, no, you go first. Oh, you go first. Okay. So two things. One, I think Eddie feeds off the crowd more than any pitcher in the rotation. Like he's, his splits home and road are so drastic, um, more drastic than anyone else. So having that loud crowd at Fenway, and I do fully expect on what will be Marathon Monday that Fenway is absolutely rocking uh, is the first thing. And the second thing is I think Eddie's confidence has taken a, a beating, but I also think that if we're in a position to win the series, if we win behind Nate the way that I think the three of us believe we will on Sunday, then Eddie doesn't have to give you five. He really only has to give you three, maybe four. And if he knows that and he can go 110%, I think it's doable. I mean, I really do. Yeah, I mean, and then you could bring Pavetta in. In a way, I'd rather not burn him in case there's a game five. But if you got a solid enough lead, maybe it's worth it. And then you start Tanner Houck game five. It's going to be really interesting to, to see how – Cora pieces out this rotation because there's a lot of trust issues with a lot of guys. So, uh, yeah. And I don't want to take Avoli for granted. I mean, he clearly gives us the best chance to win, but nothing is, is automatic against the Rays. He, he had, uh, uh, or go ahead. No, 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 finish it up. Well, I was just going to say he, in three out of his four starts, as I mentioned the other night, Avoli went seven innings against them and three of his four um, his one bad start was, uh, in July, just five and a third gave up five earned runs. He was one earned runner less in, uh, the other three. So hopefully, hopefully that curveball is, uh, featured quite a bit and, and he's as amped up as he was in the wild card game. I'm not convinced that Whitlock is going to make an appearance tomorrow night. Well, we don't have many long guys available, so. I think it might be Avaldi, Brazier, maybe Josh Taylor, and you try to stay away from both Pavetta and Whitlock. Well, you can throw a lot of one guy on deck. I just think that way you have one guy on deck for a game four, and you don't have to use your game five starter in Nick Pavetta if you can avoid it. That's not to say they're off limits. I just think that. If you have a lead, you probably don't have to go to Whitlock. You probably want to go Taylor because he's a lefty, and the biggest hitters on that team are lefty. And then well, Rager can pitch two days in a row. He only pitched if, 10 pitches. If they have a lead, I think Whitlock's a closer, quite frankly. Yeah, and I, I'd rather not burn – ideally, they'll only see Pavetta one more time. If they see him twice, that second time from now probably isn't going to go well. So, And they haven't seen Whitlock yet. So it's it's hard to it's hard to piece it together. But you're right about Taylor. He hasn't really seen much time. I think he got, what, one or two outs last night, something like that. And um, Brazier was in there tonight. Another guy, I mean, I, I did give him credit, and I gave Bloom credit because – Hansel Robles has really turned it around and become a very reliable late inning guy. And he kind of like, just from a, a reliability standpoint, he's kind of like the Janichi Tozawa to go to at this point. 
in the eighth inning. Like we haven't really had a a great eighth inning guy since Tazawa because in the 2018 run we were using starters in the eighth inning, and you know, and then in obviously 2013 he was uh, he was a key guy um, before Uihara come in. So so he's been good, and and when Robles comes in, I'm not my anxiety isn't up. I'm, I'm usually confident he's going to get through the inning. I think really? he's given up one run, right? One run in twelve his last twelve innings or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he didn't give up anything in September. Yeah. Oh well. Really quick though, I wanted to bring something up that you i totally forgot about it, and then when you said something about Erod, it it reminded me when you said maybe he'll pitch better in the open air. The Red Sox have had this weird thing, and I don't know if any of you guys caught this article the other day, about the mound in Tampa Bay. And so they think that the slope and the angle are, like, messed up. And there's been pictures of the Red Sox players going out there and, like, examining it. So there's something that they think there's a little bit of... Hanky-panky. Yeah, a little bit of home cooking there. So they definitely think something's up. And I, I, I don't want to make excuses for Erod and Chris Hill, um, but maybe... Even if there's not something going on, maybe the mental advantage is there and the pitchers are over overcompensating. I don't know. I, I, I'm very curious to see if Erod pitches again, how much better he does because of that. But yeah, they, they think that there's a, uh, that they're messing with the angle. Who, who wrote that? Do you remember? It was a globe article. Um, I, Alex I think Spear, it was, maybe. yeah, I, th- I think that's who it was. Yeah. And then there are pictures of Red Sox players going out there too, to like go measure the mound. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I read that piece as well, Andrew. My main takeaway from that was th- they're, they're moving dirt away from the front of the rubber to give themselves better purchase going downhill. But if you're used to the same mound, literally every other game that's not at the trop, and you go to pitch and it, it's even an inch off, your command is going to be drastically different. Your breaking balls will be more in the dirt. Your fastballs will ride higher. It, it, that is the case, and I'm not as it is. It would be the reason that some of those curveballs are spiking three, five feet in front of the plate. Because I don't know if the two of you noticed that, but I've seen breaking balls this series in Tampa that are hitting the ground before they even get to the dirt in front of the plate. And I've never seen that before. That's something that could be to do with the angle coming off the mound and how you go downhill to the plate. Well, just to play devil's advocate here, I mean, the the relievers aren't struggling. The starters are. So, I mean, it's just looking at it from both sides. But it, it is an interesting observation. Uh, so let me just get into a couple other things before we wrap. It was really good to see J.D. Martinez not only hit that home run, but he legged out a double in, I think, the eighth inning or so, and then he was pinch run for after that. But he got there and looked okay as a DH. I'm seeing a tweet right now. Uh, this is from Chris Cotillo of Mass Live. Uh, the tweet says, J.D. Martinez says doctors told him his ankle sprain was a 10-day IL thing if this, were, if this were the regular season. So he's he's just kind of being a, a trooper and, and trying to help his team win. Another guy who's dinged up and very 
very visibly because he's wearing this giant brace on his arm is Rafi <laughs> Devers. And his first at-bat of the game was ugly. He could not catch up to the fastball. He couldn't keep both hands on the bat. He strung together, I think, two walks and hit a home run to, to straightaway center. So so he's gaming as well. And remember what I said last night, guys. If he's 70% at least, he's in the he's in the lineup. Yeah, we we don't pimp home runs. We gimp home runs. <laughs> and that, that, that's the key to it all. Yeah, that's uh, nice and catchy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I know that Ortiz spoke with uh, with oh, Rafi good point. about the injury today. Um, that was from Rob Bradford, WEI, that Ortiz spoke to him about how to keep his swing less violent so he doesn't tweak his injury. And that Rafi was really trying to implement that when he hit the home run. And that he was cutting down on his swing a little bit, especially the hip torque uh, and moving his, his bat through the zone a little bit faster. So I don't know if that's something that will last. But if, if Rafi can now get a day off, get some treatment, um, I'm hopeful that you know we'll be able to use Rafi in the capacity as a third baseman for the rest of the series. As far as the JD goes, I don't know how you felt about that double, Andrew, but I was pissed. I was furious that he was running to second base. I was like, oh, my God, he's running. No. I was like, we're, yeah. we're up. At this point, we're up 12 to 6. I'm like, it's the eighth inning. You scalded that ball, but pull a Stanton. Like, please, Stantonian walk to first. Like, just stand there at first base, and let's get your ass off these bases and put Jaron Duran in. Like, let's I, get you off the bases. I was expecting to see him turning first and running to second like the old man from Squid Games. I just didn't think he was going to be able to pull that off. I was like, oh, my God. Like, please don't do this to me right now. <laughs> you know, I, I was more worried about him tweaking that injury. And if they did say it's a 10-day IL stint, I mean, he's being a trooper. But also, he doesn't need a double there. Like, that's a... That's a bad baseball play for him if he is hurt. So I was the opposite of you, Terry. I didn't want to see him leg out that double. And then I actually thought that was a mistake by Cora. I, I get it because you're up by so much. But you got to manage every inning like it matters the most. And I would have put Jaron Duran in that situation to pinch run and not Danny Santana because I think Duran would have scored there. Duran? He's not on the roster right I don't now, think I don't think. No. Yeah, the, yeah. Oh, I missed Dan, that. Oh, Danny, the yeah, Danny took his spot. Okay. Which is I, fine. I, I mean, because I that's six yeah. and one, half a dozen the other. Um, in the wild card game, it was, it was a non-factor, right? So, um, didn't even need that pinch running spot. But that's what Durant is in there for. So I, I would have, I would have him on the roster and not Danny Santana, if you can avoid it. Danny Santana's on there for injuries, obviously, to play multiple positions. Um, but if, if we do advance, I, I want Durant to be your your pinch runner and not Danny Santana because that was bad base running by him to not score on that single. And just to go back to Devers real quick and the big poppy uh, comments on telling him to be less violent, he needs to do that anyway. He The dude's been swinging out of his shoes, and that's Absolutely. just not productive. He just needs to mellow out. He's just a naturally strong guy. His exit velo is going to be at least 110, even if he mellows out a little bit on you know any anything he barrels up. So... Hopefully, hopefully Poppy can can talk some sense into him. But it, it was good to see him, you know, having some good at bats, even the walks, and and uh, still showing the power despite the injury. 
Gosh, I think it would be malpractice if we didn't talk a little about uh, Alex Verdugo. What he is doing is unbelievable. This guy, that catch he made, and he he just goes all out at all times. This is an amazing, like, player that we have on our hands. He loves to win. Not every guy is built for October. Yes, he is. Exactly. He's a gamer. He's built to win. He doesn't care about his body. He will just do what needs to get done. And this, his hitting, he doesn't get pull happy. He yanked the hell out of that home run. But he's like, all right, left center, cool. Dead center, all right, let's do it. And it's so refreshing to watch him game in and game out. You know who he reminds me of? Bill Miller. And I know Bill Miller was a batting champ. He's not that good. Right. But that's the style of play. Just, like, serve it wherever it's given, like tennis. And it's it's really awesome. I think what we saw last year is closer to what Verdugo will be over his career. And I think this has been a bit of a disappointment. But he, he has definitely stepped up in, in these last several games. And that catch, I mean, it wasn't quite as dramatic as the one Ben Benintendi made in that left field corner, but it was a ball I definitely didn't think Verdugo was going to catch, and and he reeled it in. And there were fans all around trying to snag it, and, and Verdugo still ended up with it and got the out. Well, let's be so. real, though. That fan who had the glove right next to Verdugo who missed it, he's the kind of fan who should not have a glove at the ballpark <laughs> because that was right there for him to catch. And he just whiffed it completely, and Verdugo came up with it right behind him. I mean, that that was embarrassing. But, yeah, no, I, I think Verdugo, you're right, Andrew, he's playing with reckless abandon for his body. He just wants to win. And I think there's some frustration there from Verdugo boiling over about the fact that he hasn't been as effective as he wanted to be all season. And I think that sometimes he's felt a little helpless about trying to help this team, especially with his defense and center, those couple of games when he played there. And it was leaking over to his at-bats a little bit. He is living up to the moment. Like, two guys that live up to the moment, we went out and got gamers. We knew Kike Hernandez could do it in October. We saw it in the World Series last year. The other guy is Verdugo. Like, both of these guys, they live for the spotlight. They're perfect players for the Boston Red Sox. And Kike, like we said, was uh, five for six. And uh, he was five for five, so the the time he didn't get on base must have been his final at-bat of the game. But he had some big moments. Uh, last year with the Dodgers, and uh, so it's kind of carrying over into this postseason, which is nice to see. So we'll wrap on that. We went a a little long, but that's fine. Uh, We'll be back on Sunday night to discuss the postgame for Game 3, the Nathan Avaldi start. Uh, Jason and Charlie will be with me for that episode Everybody have a good weekend. Take care.